Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the podcast. We are doing this incredible series on MedTech sales success. And today I have the privilege of having Rob Brown on the podcast with us. He's a 30-year veteran of the MedTech industry. Rob's journey began at J&J's Ethicon and evolved as he took on pivotal roles at companies like Apotech and Embody. Today, he spearheads innovation at Bolt Navigation, revolutionizing surgical precision without complexity. His remarkable career from the entrepreneurial spirit at, at Depew Synthes to his current mission to democratize surgical navigation worldwide is really inspiring. And so with that, I want to welcome Rob to the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. Great. Thank you, Saul. And and thank you for the intro. I think you, you touched it. You gave me a good framework to start. So I can, I guess I can start with uh, elaborating a little bit more on what's gotten me to where I'm at right now in my career. And then also, and just how that weaves into Bolt. As you mentioned, 30 years in, in med tech. Yes, I started when I was 10. No, <laughs> been around a little while and I've been both part of, I'll say, big and small public and private companies. And I've, as you mentioned, I, I really started my career, my formative part of my career was at Jay. And I actually moved into orthopedics when what's now known as the headquarters for Depew Synthes and Random. I moved into orthopedics and that was built in 1990. And uh, since then, I'll say that early stage, I held notable roles in everything from operations, through advanced development, through marketing within orthopedics. And at the time, I'll just put it in reference for folks because everybody thinks of the large med tech companies. And at the time, J&J Orthopedics was 142 people when the doors were open. So it felt very entrepreneurial. And I think that's that's also something that's carried forward with me through my career. And whether it's been, again, big company, small company, it was really that entrepreneurial spirit that was really the start of, of my career. And I've been I'll say I've been very fortunate to be part of some great teams, great companies. You mentioned Apotech. Apotech, we one of the first synthetic bone graft substitutes in the market. We took that up through an exit and sold that to Baxter for $330 million. You mentioned Embody. I, Embody was just prior to my current role at Bolt. Uh, I joined Embody when it was five scientists in a lab in Norfolk, Virginia, doing some really cool things with collagen. And quite frankly, we were able to take that all the way through product creation, commercialization, and ultimately to, to a sale and an exit just last year to Zimmer Bionet for a deal valued at $175 million. So I've been really fortunate to, to learn and uh, evolve and adapt going through that process. And, and that's Sometimes I'll refer to a little bit of rinse and repeat. It's not that simple. Every time you, you, you need to adjust. And that's really what I'm doing right now at Bolt. We're building a, we've got a, a great, very novel disruptive technology for surgical navigation. We're doing something that's unconventional where we're using a handheld iOS-based device to do image-guided navigation. And our initial product is, is for spine. It's for the navigation and placement of pedicle screws. Largely, technologies have been large CT robotic navigation systems, we'll say multi-million dollar systems, high costly, complex, those kind of things. So we're, we've taken a very different approach where it's for us, we're looking to create access for ambulatory surgery centers, hospitals around the world where cost and complexity have been the big barriers, but they don't want to compromise on the ability to increase accuracy, reduce radiation, and things that will benefit ultimately the surgeons, the patients, and, and everybody in, in that whole value stream. And right now, 
building, I'm doing exactly what we're talking about. I'm building a new commercial team for Bolt. So I being the first commercial employee about a year ago, I'm in that process. So hiring is real. Selecting the team is real. This is real time for me. I love it, Rob. Thank you for that. And kudos on this repeat performance, right? You find the winners and then you engage early on and then the sale of the company. And on today's episode, how to hire and keep top sales talent in MedTech is something that's top of mind for a lot of leaders. So love the context and and would love to dive in. When you look for teams and you've been through this many times, what qualities do you look for in a candidate at a startup? I'd say I, I'd say two, and I think they're I think they're linked. It's resourcefulness and resilience. And I would say, and it took a little time to really hone it down to be that specific because haven't always gotten it right. But I think though resiliency is not something that I believe can be taught. It's you either have it or you don't. It's really important to find people who are comfortable. I like to say, and those that have worked for me and always ask, what could they be doing more of? It's generally around being comfortable with discomfort, right? Because at an early stage, you have to be comfortable with adversity. Things are going to change and you're going to have surprises. Some are going to be really good ones. Some are going to be setbacks. So this level of resiliency, I think, is really important. And also how that couples with resourcefulness. At I'd say that the larger companies, I think you often have people to the left and to the right. You've got organizations to the left and to the right. You've got a lot of resources at your disposal, right? But at an early stage company like Bolt at a startup, you've got to find a way. Sometimes you, and, and you wake up that day and you just simply don't know how you're going to, whether it's get into it, find a connection to a new surgeon or find a pathway into a hospital. What, whatever that challenge is, there, the, you got to be resourceful. You got to reach out. And that's being open, transparent and having that ability. I think those that tend to be very resourceful, also tend to be really good at handling uh, adversity and then ultimately become very resilient. That's great. And oftentimes, really love those two, by the way, and two qualities that I value very deeply as well. Do you? How do you measure that? Just through talking, behavioral-based questions, any tests like the Gallup or anything like that? In terms of that decision-making process, I'm very much about very specific behavioral examples. I think that's the most that have interviewed with me and anybody that maybe interviewed with me in the future, I'm probably going to give them a, I'm, I'm now tipping my hat and giving a little clue what to expect. You know, I will generally, there's there's a couple of questions I ask almost every candidate and I, I've asked almost every candidate for probably the past 10 years in, in building some teams. But I really want those specific examples. And whether it's around success or it's around something they thought was a great idea or ultimately something they really champion and they need to influence others. I'm looking for those examples. And then in all of their season judgment, they get to look back on that and go, that was a really bad idea. And that's one I like to, it, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of ways to peel that one back, understand, well, who'd you need to influence? What were some of the barriers you ran into? How'd you resolve that? Ultimately, if it was a failure, what happened to those relationships along the way? It could have been something as simply as making making a bad recommendation to a surgeon in the OR, or it could be much more complex where it was championing an entirely new business concept all the way up through leadership. And usually in those instances, there's a lot to, to, to learn from, but that's, I'd say, my favorite example of really understanding firsthand resiliency and resourcefulness because that... and. 
I will tell you, there are folks that will say, oh, I've never had a failure. I, I have a bunch of them. And I, I think part of it is we learn the most. And that's a really important, that level of candor, that self-awareness, those are all the things that, that I say those couple of questions really get at. That's awesome. Okay, so we talked about the startup. What about more established organizations? Is there a difference? You look for a different profile? I do. I'd say the more established med tech companies generally rely, or you can be a little more one-dimensional. Again, because there's, it's not just the people, it's the processes, it's the system. And it, particularly in med tech, it can be very relationship-centric in terms of relationship selling. At a startup, though, you need you, you absolutely need to be multidimensional. And, and by that, I mean, it's one thing to be able to build and nurture a relationship. It's another thing to continually go and create new relationships, find those. Once you've found that relationship, it's navigating the pathway to turning that relationship into a meaningfully longstanding, uh, I'll say, mutually business beneficial relationship. Those are things that I think require a different level of leadership, but also that goes all the way down to literally for a sales rep walking into the first time they're getting in front of a surgeon, they need to really understand the relationship may have gotten them in the door, but they need to, at that point, they need to really find the best pathway that they can take something that is unconventional and open that dialogue up to a surgeon and take them down that pathway so the surgeon can really understand and see the value in something that's dramatically different than something they, they've really been exposed to previously. Love that. Such great examples. And back to the question that I asked you earlier, Rob, data. How do you use data to make hiring decisions? Yeah, I think, well, it, for me, it starts with really making sure you've outlined a solid profile of what you're looking for in a candidate. And whether you're using a recruiter, whether you're going through a referral network, uh, it's important to be, I'll say, very clear on what that right profile is. And also, it's just as important to identify what the wrong profile is. As, as we just talked about a little bit, you can glean insights pretty quick in a resume even, how, whether someone's one-dimensional or not. I'm also good at, from a data perspective, I, I'm going to look at that resume. I think I look for patterns. We all do, right? And there, there's some there's always telling patterns. Um, those patterns, in some cases, you want to just open up that dialogue and understand what led to some of those changes. Some of the patterns you look for is a lot of frequent changes, we'll, we'll say. And listen, I always look for somebody that's got startup experience. So we know there's often good reasons. But there's also things, and when I say patterns, there's also things that you might see where there might have been a pattern of someone leaving uh, a very high growth, successful company after a year, two years, but really just before its growth and inflection point. That's, to, to me, that's a pattern I'm gonna probably frame a, a, a discussion around to really understand that. And then also you look for career progression. Somebody's been in a larger organization, have they taken on different responsibilities? Have they been put in situations that are just, I'll say, very much adjacent to what they're doing? Or is it just a continuum of what they've been doing? Again, those are good indicators that will open up a discussion for me to have around somebody that's been a large organization, established organization for a long time. Let me really understand how well suited they are to making the switch to a startup. Because, so I'll, I'll tell you one thing I've heard over and over and over again from candidates is always, hey, I want to make the change because I want to see my impact on the bottom line. And that's a statement where I, I really launch into a lot of questions to understand because 
that impact on the bottom line is one thing, but it's the impact on our, on your colleagues. It's mm-hmm. we're all in this together. If we're not successful, right? There's there is no bottom line, right? So there's a lot of things that you want to really get at, and it will go back to. I'm just really trying to understand how well suited this person is around their resourcefulness and their resiliency. Love it. Thank you for that, Rob. And great notes for everybody listening. A couple of things to, to think about on your hiring practice. Maybe you're a sales rep looking to get a new job and the conversation here with Rob might inspire you to take a look at your approach and think about what you're doing in your career. So now that we have people in the door, they start the job, what are you doing to help your new hires be successful? I think I look to start the success of a new hire before they've ever started. It's in the interview process. I think that's, it's so important for me and, and for the candidate, but it's important for me to be really transparent about what it's going to look like the day they walk in. And I think that's... in being transparent around opportunities, but more so also the challenges. And that lets them really frame in their own picture. That's important because it's around fit and we really want the great fit. And I don't want them to try to convince themselves that's a good fit, right? And and sometimes only they know whether or not it's a good fit professionally or sometimes whether it's a good fit personally. It could be level of travel involved, the lack of predictability sometimes in our schedule when you're all hands on deck, it requires a certain level of of flexibility. Those are things I I will definitely have those conversations early on. It does two things, helps the candidate who's really astute go through the process fairly seamlessly. And then for others, it it may prompt them to take a step back and say, you know what, this may not be the right fit for them. That's okay. I would rather someone opt out of a process, the hiring process early because they're just, it might not, not be the right point in time, whatever it is, there are always good reasons. I'm completely okay with that. I'm not looking to convince anybody. And I'd rather find that out before. It's I'd rather possible. find it out early than 90 days in and somebody is having difficulty just balancing, we'll call it the work-life balance or because we've all seen it. Then I'd say from that point on, I'd say continue to paint that picture of success. Really be open, transparent all the way through. I'll say every week I have a round table with my team. I'm usually around rigor and, and agendas and other things, but for the round table, I don't have an agenda. It's on a Friday. And the, and the goal of that is for everybody to share their wins. It's wins and losses, basically. Share their wins, but also share their challenges that they face. All of us can help folks through what challenges they're facing. This way, they're not, this is tough some days. Well, it's tough a lot of days. And I like them to go into the weekend with a really clear mindset that they feel really well supported, that we've been celebrating their successes, but also that we're kind of, we together are helping uh, each other through all those challenges. And then I'd add one more, invest in them. Not just in, in compensation, but invest in things that are going to help them make them better, more efficient, more effective. One of the tools I've talked about in the past and I is Acuity MD. Acuity MD I've now used across this two companies. I started working with them with Embody really early on when Acuity MD was early stage. And I'm now working with them both. Those are tools that I will tell you, folks coming in to a small company like Bolts or even previously Embody, they're just, they're enamored with the capability of tools that they, they haven't even had at some larger companies that allow them to more efficiently, more effectively identify, target, quantify 
opportunities in the med tech space. So those are some of the things that day one kind of put in place. That's awesome. Thank you for that, Rob. And yeah, and it's hard to imagine. Sure. You got a, a software like AcuityMD, like well, how different can it be? Or It's a CRM. But really, I also had a chance to look at the demo and it's a difference between a flip phone that nobody wants, <laughs> a traditional CRM, and a beautiful iPhone or Pixel, you name it, right? It is, it's smart. Yeah. And well, and one thing I, the fact that you've looked at, one thing I really appreciate and recognize and, and applaud actually is everything we've been talking about, hiring for a startup, all the challenges of a startup, being able to listen to the market, listen to your customers, adapt. Acuity does that really. I've been able to go through this evolution with, with their technology. As it's been evolving, as my needs evolve, they listen, they adapt. They, I'll say I, I'm very quick to dive in and embrace any new potential technology and, and they reach out. That's, they're very market focused, they're very customer focused. So for me, that's helping me be a better leader by giving my team better tools. Love it. That's great. And, and hey, how about on the recruiting side? Is there, are there any strategies that you found particularly successful? But look for that good fit. The two strategies, I think if, I think you got to look for if, whether you're using a recruiter, right? That's the obvious one, right? Go through a recruiter, find a, I take find a recruiter that there is, you have a good fit. If you don't have a good fit and the recruiter doesn't have a good fit with you, you're not going to find candidates that are the right fit. I've been fortunate that I've worked with some recruiters that really understand the market, understand more importantly, the stage in which we're at as a company and everything we've talked about so far around the resiliency, around the resourcefulness, they really internalize and understand how important that is for us as a company. And I think you have just a much higher probability that the people that they're going to reach out to and the people that they're going to put in front of you is going to be of a much, much higher likelihood that they're a fit. And then I would say you it's the obvious one, but one that's proved really beneficial for me is use your network. When I say start, we start out with that really good profile. If I've got a really good profile, I'm going to reach out to my network and I'm just going to ask, do you know of anyone like this? And oh, by the way, here's some of the companies that have culture similar to what we're looking to create. And do, do you know of anybody from those companies? And I've been pretty successful with that over the past uh, the past several companies. That's great, Rob. Thank you for that. And I, I love your, your win-loss call. Uh, the fact that it doesn't have a structure other than win-loss really adds to the creativity and the stuff that comes up. And so let's hone in on the loss, the mistakes. We learn more from those. Yeah. So here's our little win-loss call right here. <laughs> yeah. let's, let's talk about mistakes, man. Like the mistakes you've made or you've seen others make when it comes to hiring sales talent. I would say it's going to go back to that resiliency and resourcefulness. The reason I'm able to say that those are so important is those are two that I will say at, at moments in time, I'll say I was unconvinced or I would give someone literally the a little bit of leeway. And ultimately it, it comes down to if they're not highly resourceful, if they're if they struggle with their uh with the adversity, it's not fair to them. They struggle down the road and then we all struggle, right? So and in an early stage company, it is so amplified on every person you bring in the organization. They are either a positive force multiplier or they are a negative detractor. And if you get the resiliency wrong and you get the lack of resourcefulness wrong, it can put somebody in that 
unexpected negative detractor mode because those around them see them struggle. And that in itself is a challenge. So I'd say if I've made a couple of hires I've made, those were the two areas that I'd say. And I won't say whether in those instances, they may have come out of larger organizations without us. And they were, that's why I say they, there's a, you try to find every way to peel back the layers and, and yeah. get some good behavioral examples. And now I think I'm, we're, we're getting better. Or I'm getting better at finding those that, it's not about the size of the company. It's what you did over the course of your career. What was that progression? What what situations were you put in that that simply there was no clear path, right? And how do you work through it? Those are things I'd want to understand. Yeah, that's great. And it's like the thing that I ran into is like the knowledge trap. Like I, I've made a mistake where they're so knowledgeable. They know the business inside and out. They know what it takes. And so you hire for knowledge, the knowledge trap when you should have hired for resiliency and resourcefulness. And, and that happens too. It's happened right. to me. You're, and, and I saw you, you brought up a point. I, that, that's a great one because you think about it, if you're really shaping the industry, you're shaping the market, you're doing things that are novel and unique and, and everything that you're doing, that formative 10 years of experience, yes, it's given you lots of insight and other things, that's not necessarily always a thing that is going to, unless you're using that seasoned experience and adapting. And, and like you say, you're applying that knowledge in new and different ways. And you've demonstrated that's the knowledge trap. Yeah. No, I love it, man. It's great discussion. You've definitely given us a lot to think about on the recruiting side of things, the, the characteristics to look forward to. How do you build and maintain a culture of continuous learning and improvement? I would say that. Essentially, evaluate, learn, and adjust. I think part of what I look to put in place fairly quickly are our measures, right? What it starts out with everything from our strategy to our projections for the investors, but taking that all the way to something that is is very tangible, very measurable in our progress along the way. Evaluate, learn, listen, engage everybody in that process. And then part of that is when well, I evaluate, learn, adjust, you got to adjust, right? So out of the gate, we just make assumptions, right? You're starting a brand new business. You're, you have, there's no formative technology that you following on to, whatever it is. You're going on your season judgment, right? You're going to take some really good season assumptions at what things are, but we need to evaluate and assess that. And as a team, we've also incorporated some tools. Acuity actually is one that I'd say I, I use one of their, you talked about CRM before. I used to create my own models and Excel and everything else. And it was always yeah, labor intensive to manage each critical inflection point or each critical stage in our value pipeline. But with some of the tools with it, Acuity has recently introduced, they have a pipeline tool that is by rep, by territory, all rolled up at the highest level. I can look at every opportunity. I can look at, I can quantify that opportunity. I can see what the probability of not just, we'll say, closing out the opportunity, but what's the right fit within that opportunity for our technology. And we can map that to every stage of our, that's critical to our business model in our funnel. And one of the things I do very quickly is, and, and we do every month, we, we roll in, we look at that pipeline, and every week, every month, and every quarter, I'm learning what's the time through each stage? What's been the challenges? What are things we might do 
that we can get ahead of to accelerate the stages in that process. It could be just getting through value analysis committee, those kind of things. I say just one of the more challenging things in med tech. But as a result of measuring those, we're going to get better at a higher level of predictability. If we're at a higher level of predictability, then what we've really demonstrated is viability, predictability, scalability of the company. Love it. And I love your evaluate, learn, adjust process. It's so simple, but really like sometimes you got to make those adjustments fast, whether it's your run rates running close or you're at the end of the quarter and you need to make something happen. (laughs) Absolutely. Always. (laughs) Yeah. Rob, this has been phenomenal. Your experience, your background is just, it's worth its weight in gold. I'm grateful that you did this podcast with us. What closing thought would you give to all the med tech leaders and the med tech people listening today? I would say it's a great, first of all, it's a great question, Solomon. Thank you. I'd say this is a space that I think continues to present great opportunity for all of us. And that's why I loved about it. That's why I've been doing it for 30 years. I've been doing it since I was 10. It's one of those. And and every time we've hit all of these different challenges that, that the industry itself and the space has gone through, whether it's reimbursement challenges, it just prompts us to be more clever, more innovative, learn, evolve, adapt. So I think maybe going at that evaluate, learn and adjust, I think that's something that, that we all do. We need to do it. We need to do it as companies. We need to do it as individuals. And quite frankly, I think that's what keeps this such a great space because ultimately, We get great satisfaction, great enjoyment when loved ones, friends, family, you name it, all benefit from, I'll I'll just say better health in terms of what we're doing. Look, it's a great way to close here. And folks, if you want to learn more about Rob, about Bolt, about Acuity MD, all all the show notes are going to have the links where you could check out the technology at Bolt, Acuity technology, and the highlights of today's episode. So Rob, I can't thank you enough for being with us today. This has been a a true pleasure. Thank you, Saul. Much appreciated. (laughs) 